Welcome to Understand Murdoch, a podcast from The Post and Courier, South Carolina's largest newspaper. Our award-winning reporters have spent more than a year digging into the Murdoch saga to bring you the latest news and in-depth analysis as we cover the story of drugs, deceit, and death in South Carolina's rural low country. And now we're here to provide quick daily updates on Alec Murdoch's highly anticipated double murder trial in Colleton County. This is Eric Russell here with a bonus episode of Understand Murdoch. We've been getting several questions throughout the Alec Murdoch double murder trial, so we figured it was time for yet another listener mailbag bonus episode. I'm here with public service and watchdog editor Glenn Smith, who has been answering most of the questions we have received. Hey, Eric. Glad to be here. Boy, it's a momentous day as we're recording this. Um, After six weeks or so of testimony, after more than 70 witnesses, we're we're finally coming towards the conclusion of this trial, we think. Uh, As we sit down to record this today, the jurors are actually on a field trip to Mazelle, where the murders occurred. Uh, and the attorneys on both sides are preparing for closing arguments. So deliberations could begin maybe today, maybe later. We'll have to see. But right at the moment, let's get into some questions. All right, let's get right into it. And our first question we have from uh, JM, who we've heard from previously. JM asked us a question that many people were speculating about a lot before the trial even started. The logic behind the state not seeking the death penalty was that decision formally and openly documented, or was it a quid pro quo? Yeah, that's a good question, J.M., uh, one that a lot of people have been pondering and, and we're watching closely leading up to the trial. So the question of whether South Carolina Attorney General Alan Wilson would seek the death penalty for Alec Murdoch in the double murder case, it, it was hotly debated for months. Wilson ended that speculation on December 20th with a statement that came four days before a deadline for prosecutors to decide on whether they would seek the ultimate punishment for Murdoch. He said, quote, After carefully reviewing this case and all of the surrounding facts, we have decided to seek life without parole for Alec Murdoch. Because this is a pending case, we cannot comment further, he said. Under state law, the attorney general's office could have pursued execution in the double murder case since the slayings involved more than one victim. But legal observers had long suspected state prosecutors would decline to seek the death penalty because it is notoriously difficult to win in cases like this one that largely depend on circumstantial evidence. Adding capital punishment to the mix would have added layers of legal complexities and delays, they argued. Murdoch's wealth and status would have made him an exceedingly rare capital defendant as well. It comes from a family of lawyers that simultaneously ran a high-powered Hampton law firm and controlled the 14th Circuit Solicitor's Office for 86 years. His father, his grandfather, and his great-grandfather sought the death penalty against more than 30 defendants during their reign as the chief prosecutor. His grandfather, Buster Murdoch Jr., alone sent some 14 criminals to the electric chair. All right, that's some good insight there. And here's one from Lisa. What has been found out about or disproved about the possible involvement of the Walterboro Cowboys gang in the murders? It sounds like the defense has brought them up as an alternative theory. They certainly have suggested that. Uh, The notion of possible links between Murdoch and the Cowboys surfaced shortly after we first reported in October 2021 that the state grand jury was investigating the drug pipeline that fed Alec Murdoch's decades-long addiction to opioids. 
Reporter John Monk of the state newspaper reported shortly thereafter that investigators were looking into a trail of money from Murdoch's drug habit to, quote-unquote, a low country gang based in the Walterboro area and believed to be called the Cowboys. Those in the low country had been familiar with them. The Cowboys are a notorious low country gang, and its members have been implicated in several shootings and narcotics trafficking in and around Cowden County. The Cowboys, who have often used American flag bandanas to mask their faces, have historically been composed primarily of young men who grew up together on the east side of Walterboro. They have contributed to violent crime there since at least 2009, authorities have said. In 2016, 14 people from the Cowboys gang and their allies, the Wild Boys, were indicted by a federal grand jury, a move that authorities called a tremendous blow to criminal enterprise in the area. The move hurt the gang for sure, but its presence apparently remains. Due to the secrecy surrounding state grand jury proceedings, it's it's been tough to tell what happened during that investigation and you know what the status is but we've heard during this trial that apparently the federal drug enforcement administration has taken control of that probe and it it appears to be ongoing uh but also some clues have come out during the murdoch trials as to maybe what they found along the way so far the lead investigator in the double murder case sled agent david owen indicated that investigators told him murdoch was paying fifty thousand dollars a week to buy drugs from curtis smith a former client and a distant cousin of his who was purchasing them from members of the sand hill drug gang that was a precursor to the cowboys defense attorney jim griffin has said Griffin asked whether Owen looked into any of these possible gang members, such as seizing their phone data. Owen said he did not, though investigators did a general search of phones in the Mazelle area the night of the killings. They found only two phones belonging to first responders, Owen said. On cross-examination, prosecutor John Meadors established Murdoch never mentioned Curtis Smith or any members of the Cowboys gang as potential suspects in the killings. Owen testified he didn't learn about any of these names until an investigation into the September 4th, 2021 roadside shooting. As you probably remember, that is the one where Alec uh, attempted to take his own life or stage a suicide Uh, purportedly to collect on a $10 million life insurance policy to benefit his son, Buster. All righty. And Lisa actually had a follow-up question as well. How hard have investigators tried to figure out whose DNA is under Maggie's fingernails? Hmm. Okay, Lisa. Investigators found unidentified small amounts of male DNA under Maggie's fingernails, you might recall. Sled analyst Sarah Zapata testified that she couldn't say when or how that DNA wound up there, just that it didn't belong to Alec or Paul Murdoch. Zapata said she could visually exclude as a contributor everyone whose DNA was collected, except for a guy named C.B. Rowe, who is the Murdoch's farmhand. But her analysis showed it was more likely that Maggie and an unidentified, unrelated person contributed to that DNA mixture. They don't think it was Maggie and Rowe, she said. Defense attorney Philip Barber reminded jurors of a text message Alex sent Maggie the day of the killing, suggesting she'd been at a nail salon earlier. Barber also asked Zapata whether the unidentified male DNA was entered into CODIS, which is a national DNA database maintained by the FBI. Zapata testified she couldn't enter this sample into CODIS because the amount of DNA did not meet the threshold. All right, and... One more question here. One of the interesting things that 
uh, I've seen and we've seen going through the mailbags is seeing both the range of questions that come in and where they're coming from. Uh, We have listeners from coast to coast and as far away as Africa. One lawyer reader who's been following the case closely from Tennessee is a fellow named Barry, and he had a few questions for us the other day. Here are two of those. Um, Let's start with, assuming you are in the courtroom, can you get any read on the jury such as, are they leaning one way or the other toward Alec Murdoch's own testimony? Sure. This is absolutely a favorite preoccupation of anyone who covers a trial, is keeping the eyes on the jury in the courtroom and trying to get some sense of uh, you know what they're thinking and are they leaning one way or the other. Um, we have had a reporter in the courtroom daily, including the two days Murdoch was on the witness stand. The reporter observed the jurors watching Murdoch intently throughout his testimony. But beyond that, one could not discern how they were reacting or which way they were leaning. It's generally quite difficult to predict what is going on inside the head of jurors, and it's really risky business to try to make assumptions based on facial expressions or a lack thereof. Uh, One television reporter stated that some jurors were seen weeping during Murdoch's testimony, but our reporter did not see anything like that. Others also denied seeing any crying on the panel. So uh, I guess we're just going to have to wait until they deliberate and come up with a verdict to figure out which way they turn. Uh, Yes, but the speculation game is always there. Sure is, yeah. Barry was also wondering, where does Alec go each night and weekends during the trial? Does he go to a cell in Walterboro or back to the Alvin Glenn Detention Center? He's uh, transported nightly uh, by law enforcement to a cell at the Colleton County Jail, which is less than a half mile from the courthouse where he is standing trial. Kind of interesting note, we learned uh, last Friday night that Murdoch is facing a misdemeanor charge for allegedly having contraband in his cell. Uh, I don't know how we we got onto that, but it noticed on the jail website next to his mugshot, suddenly pops up this charge as a warrant. It indicates it's a misdemeanor, but there's no details on it. So speculation is flying all over the place as to what he has in the cell. You hear contraband and I mean, boy, all sorts of things, drugs or or money or or things that just aren't allowed in jail cells, cell phones. Um, We track that down and it it ends up, it it stems from a book that was found in his cell. Uh, If some may remember, um, his family was pushed back in the courtroom at one point during the trial because they had been seen passing him a John Grissom novel to read. Uh, while he was back in his cell, and that occurred during a break in the proceedings that ended up in the family being relegated to the back of the courtroom. Uh, We believe that is the book in question, so nothing super nefarious going on there. And this is a random question that I'm just wondering. Do they usually post uh, when stuff like that happens? Well, so they got a warrant, right? So when charges are lodged, against somebody it'll show up on the public index of the state court website it'll all show up on also show up on the jail system because they have to show what charges they're being held on and so not surprising that they put that up on the site under his list of charges a lot of people were surprised they went ahead and in the midst of this i mean he's facing like 100 charges already he's charged with killing his wife and son right and and he's and and there's there's always potential for federal charges in, in the bank fraud stuff uh, stemming from that Russell Lafitte matter. So a lot of people were pretty surprised that they'd gone to all the trouble to seek a misdemeanor charge over a book in the cell. But perhaps, you know, they buy the book, 
no pun intended, they, they have to make sure that rules are followed in the jail. Yes, I guess, especially with such a high-profile trial. Yeah, and, and given his backdrop, you don't want to, I guess, appear either like you're giving him special treatment because obviously that seems to be a theme of uh, events with, with he, he and his family uh, leading up to all this. Well, all right, Glenn. Thank you for another great uh, no-bag episode. And uh, we may do a couple more of these. It just depends on how long the trial is or... <laughs> where it goes from here um but thank you guys for listening uh listen and follow wherever you get your podcast and also watch on youtube if that is what you prefer